Welcome to this episode of Sound Bites, a podcast series produced by the National Psoriasis Foundation, the nation's leading organization for individuals living with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. In each episode, someone who lives with psoriatic disease, a loved one, or an expert will share insights with you on living well. If you like what you hear today, please subscribe to our podcast and join us every month at SoundBites for more insights on understanding, managing, and thriving with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. My name is Corrine Pettit, and I'm here today to discuss the microbiome, gut health, and the connection with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis with rheumatologist and leading expert in the microbiome, Dr. Jose Shear who is the director of the Psoriatic Arthritis Center and director of the Microbiome Center for Rheumatology and Autoimmunity, also known as MICRA, at NYU Langone Health in New York, where he's also the director of the Arthritis Clinic at the NYU Langone Orthopedic Hospital. Additionally, Dr. Shear is a member of MPF's Scientific Advisory Committee, which is responsible for identifying and reaching a consensus on emerging data in the most promising areas of research in psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, and related health conditions. Dr. Shear's research includes autoimmunity, psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis, and the microbiome. So welcome, Dr. Shear. It's an honor to have you on SoundBites. Thank you for taking time to be here today. So to start our discussion, Dr. Shear, can you please explain what is the gut microbiome? Of course, and thanks for having me. Pleasure to be with you today. The gut microbiome is uh, fundamentally what used to be called the gut flora. And it's nothing else but the total amount of microbes that include bacteria, fungi, and viruses that we as human beings harbor in our gut. And there are trillions of them. They have several functions, but in general, we now can understand and survey this gut microbiome with new. DNA sequencing technology. So instead of culturing, when you have a, say, a urinary tract infection, they they ask you to send a sample for culture. Most of these microbes cannot be cultured. We just don't know how to culture them. And so we've replaced that with fancier DNA sequencing technology. So we sequence the DNA of these microbes, and it gives us a list of who is there, what kind of microbes are there, and in which relative quantity. Yeah, so there's been a lot of interest in the gut microbiome and its relationship to psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. Uh, First of all, why is that? We've heard so much about the gut-joint-skin axis. Are there similar mechanisms that relate to both the gut and psoriatic disease? Yeah, thanks for that question. In general, and for many, many years now, we have known from animal models that mimic psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis, that if these either mice or rats that are prone to develop skin inflammation or arthritis, if you have them live their lives in regular conventional cages where there's lots of microbes, they tend to have skin psoriasis and arthritis. If, on the other hand, you take those animals and you keep them under germ-free conditions, that is, bubbles without any microbes, then there's no psoriasis and no arthritis. And so that's how we started to be intrigued and pursue this in humans, because it made sense that the microbes then had a role in disease progression. 
And the second aspect of your question is, are there similar mechanisms that relate to both the gut and the psoriatic disease? And the answer is yes, there are not only microbia, but we know that there are genetic aspects of, say, inflammatory bowel disease, psoriasis, psoriatic arthritis that are shared among people with this condition. There are many families in which you know, and I'm sure some of the audience will relate to this, where you find someone with psoriasis, then a sibling or a parent with Crohn's disease, and then another relative with psoriatic arthritis, for example. So there's that genetic linkage. The microbes have been shown to have very similar relative composition, meaning what's missing in people with inflammatory bowel disease, some of those microbes are also not found in people with psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis. So there is a relationship at the microbial level, as well as the host genes that can tie together the three conditions. Great. Well, thank you for explaining the relationship. Uh, So how important is biodiversity and composition of the gut microbiota, also known as gut dysbiosis? Yeah, semi new concept, but dysbiosis is actually a disruption of the normal, if you call well, I don't know that we have a normal microbiome, but a disruption of the baseline microbiome typically is called dysbiosis. And dysbiosis, for the most part, is related to the lack of good beneficial commensal microbes. And that has been shown to be the case in many inflammatory conditions, including psoriatic disease, inflammatory bowel disease, rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, you name it. Any immune-mediated chronic condition that is surveyed at the general population, we start finding lack of good microbes in the gut. So gut dysbiosis in psoriasis or psoriatic arthritis may be the result of a differential abundance of bacteria instead of quantity of bacteria species. Can you please explain what this means for our listeners? Sorry, in general, and there are exceptions for this, but the more diverse your gut microbe is, the better. And the reason for that is that there are many microbes that have different functions, right? So they live there because of a few things, but two of the more relevant ones are they help us process nutritional compounds, right? So certain things that we incorporate from the diet cannot be processed unless we have microbes. So that's an important. The second important aspect is that many of these microbes have immune protective function. If you don't have enough of these microbes, then you will probably lack some of the nutritional important aspects like amino acids or proteins or even the possibility of converting some of the fiber that we ingest into beneficial metabolites. Or if you lack some microbes, then you may not be able to protect yourself against some infections, for example. They're there to occupy a niche, and if they're not there, then a pathogen, some bad microbe, will occupy that space that's not longer occupied by the good microbe. So so those are the reasons for why we want a very diverse uh, microbiome in general. So you mentioned diet, and you previously referred to genetics. Are there other factors that can impact the microbiome, or is it primarily diet? Yeah. So all of the above, let me just say that for the most part in the adult life, typically the gut microbiome is quite robust and resilient, meaning it doesn't really change unless you ask the right question. 
unless there are certain insults. Genes are not insults, but we do know that they modify the microbiome. So in other words, when you have certain genes, they may be the ones that certain microbes favor in order to live in your gut. So that's one. But, but the more important ones are, as you said, diet, but also infections. If you have diarrhea, you're going to have a perturbation of your gut microbiome. And the most relevant one is antibiotics, actually. The more antibiotics you take, and this has been demonstrated, is the higher your chances of modifying your microbiome, not only acutely, but also in the long run. So you just mentioned modifying your microbiome. Is there any benefits to supplementing one's diet with prebiotics or probiotics? It's been uh, demonstrated to be true in animal models of psoriatic disease. The data on human psoriatic disease is being pursued right now. So if you ask me, is there any specific pre or probiotic that is ready for prime time, I would say not that I know of. And so we, you know, it's frustrating to to a degree. And secondarily, because some of the probiotics that are out there, we don't even know their composition. So it's hard to say, go and take a probiotic and we'll improve your health. We're certainly working on it. And it's certainly true in animal models. So we're hopeful that some of the research that's being conducted will come to light quite soon. And going back to gut microbiota, what are some of the important molecules that are relevant to psoriatic disease? Yeah, so it's a part of it is the, uh, the antigens. Every microbe has proteins or sugars, polysaccharides that can actually trigger inflammation or prevent inflammation. So that's one aspect, right? So what's in the cell wall of certain microbes and what are the proteins that they produce? The second aspect of the microbiome at the molecular level that are very important is those metabolites that our microbes are able to produce. And those are typically derived from the diet. I'm gonna go back to the example of fiber. So if you consume fiber and you don't have microbes, nothing really happens. You cannot process those fibers. If you have certain microbes, you take fibers from the diet and your microbes will turn these fibers into prebiotics. For example, short-chain fatty acids, plenty of them, butyrate, acetate, propionate, and others. So those short-chain fatty acids now have immune modulatory properties, meaning that they can activate or prevent the activation of the immune system. And so it's a battery of, of molecules that we're trying to understand in the context of psoriatic and other inflammatory diseases. And is it possible that anti-inflammatory therapies for psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis will have a positive impact on the gut microbiome? The anti-inflammatory therapies for psoriasis, yes. At least some of them do. Do we know that they have a positive or a negative impact? We know a little. We don't know that much. Certainly, we know that some of the biologic therapies do modify the microbiome. We know, for example, that methotrexate doesn't for the most part. At least in rheumatoid arthritis, we know that biologics such as uh, interleukin-17 blockers do modify the microbiome. Now, what's the impact of that in health and disease? It's unclear. Some researchers have shown that some modifications 
correlate with the way people respond to the medications. Okay? In other words, there's more of a biomarker of how the disease is active or inactive and less so that the microbes determine the activity of the disease. So we know that they do modify them. We do not know what the implications of those modifications are. So now let's turn to your research. Can you please talk about your research around the gut microbiome for the detection of inflammatory diseases, as well as the development of potential treatments? We and others, but I shout out to Julia Manason and many others in the group who have led this effort, have looked at are, are we seeing certain patterns of gut microbiome or skin microbiome that are relevant in psoriatic disease or related disorders such as rheumatoid arthritis. And we have seen constantly and study after study that both in the gut and in the skin, the microbiome is less diverse. You have less of the potential total types of microbes uh, people could have. And that's true at the very beginning of the disease process. Meaning if you were just diagnosed with psoriatic arthritis or psoriasis or even rheumatoid arthritis, you will have a decrease in this diversity or a dysbiotic process. And also the question of are those dysbiotic process or processes or, or, or the lack of diversity connected with pathogenesis, we believe that that's the case that the more active you are, the higher your dysbiosis. And we are also looking at, and we published on this, on how the gut microbes can metabolize or process certain oral medications. We've seen, for example, that the gut microbes process and metabolize methotrexate, which is quite commonly used in rheumatoid arthritis, but also in psoriatic disease. And we also know that at baseline, even before we initiate treatment, the type of microbes and the quantity of those microbes may help us predict who's going to respond to these medications. So it's fascinating. We're looking at the effect of microbes in disease activity, but also in the way the microbes can help us predict who's going to respond to certain medications and who will not. So given what you've just indicated, what do you feel is more likely to occur in the near future? The identification of psoriatic arthritis-related gut microbiota to assist with preventing the development of the disease or finding a cure for psoriatic arthritis? Yeah, I'm typically very, very careful with that, the uh. word cure. I guess they're related. I mean, I think the field has moved towards trying to understand the prevention approach whether it's related to microbiome or other immune features, whether it's cells or molecules that are involved before psoriatic arthritis occurs. We have wonderful treatments. People are doing better and better. We have many options. Dr. Chris Richlin, myself, Alexis Solzi, Joe Merola are pursuing this specific question. Is it possible? that by the time people get psoriatic arthritis, we can go back in time. And can we actually treat people when they have psoriasis and certain features of high risk for uh, transitioning into psoriatic arthritis? And that's what we're investigating. Is it, is it that we need to treat significantly earlier? Is it that we need to treat with certain treatments and not others? 
is it that the microbes are important and can we modify the microbiome to prevent the passage from psoriasis only to inflammatory arthritis? And that's where we're trying to move the field towards because we believe that there's an opportunity here and because many, if not most, of the medications that are used for psoriatic arthritis are obviously used in psoriasis of the skin. So we're treating a disease regardless of someone who has a disease. And therefore, we would perhaps understand that if we treat very early when the psoriasis of the skin is present only, then it may very well be the case that you would delay or even prevent psoriatic arthritis. A lot of work in that area, and we're very excited to try and, and pursue that research question. And a clinical question, for sure. Right. Well, that definitely sounds really promising. Thank you so much, Dr. Shear. And do you have any final comments you'd like to share with our listeners? I always admire the resilience of people that live with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. We made significant progress. I keep saying this. If, if someone had psoriatic disease 50 years ago, we had very little to offer. No, we can clear skins. We can help put people in remission for both skin and joints. It's a whole new world. And so when it comes to the microbiome, it's more frontier stuff. So what I like to say is continue to be resilient and patient. The minute we get something that's actionable, meaning either a medication or a dietary approach or, or a combination, we are more than eager to share with our patients. But at the same time, I exert cautious approaches, which is, in my humble opinion, don't go out there and, and just buy the first prebiotic that you uh, come across with, because there's a lot of unknowns right now, and we just want to prevent any potential deleterious effect of any of these compounds that we don't even know what they can have. So work with us. We're working with you. Be patient. Help us with the studies. And ask questions because we learn more from my patients than I learn many times from my colleagues or medical textbooks. So that's what I would say. Great. Well, thank you again, Dr. Shear. You provided such an informative podcast. I'm excited to hear more about your research as you learn more about the role of the microbiome and its relationship to psoriatic disease. You can learn more about the Foundation's research initiatives, including the PSA Diagnostic Test Grant and the Psoriasis Prevention Initiative at psoriasis.org forward slash key hyphen research hyphen initiatives, or sign up to receive advance online for the latest news about research, such as Dr. Shear's work at psoriasis.org forward slash advance. And finally, thank you to the following sponsors who provided support on behalf of Soundbites through unrestricted educational grants, Amgen, Bristol-Myers Squibb, Janssen, Novartis, Pfizer, and UCB. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Sound Bites for people with psoriasis and psoriatic arthritis. If you or someone you love has ever struggled with psoriatic disease, our hope is that through this series, you'll gain information to help you lead a healthier life and inspire you to look to the future. Please join us for another inspiring podcast. You can find this or all future episodes of Sound Bites on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Ghana, and the National Psoriasis Foundation webpage. To learn more about this topic or others, please visit psoriasis.org or contact us with your questions or comments by email at podcast at psoriasis.org.